0: This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone.
1: This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, November 19th. Today on the show, Aaron Jacoby, managing partner of Aaron Fox's LA office and leader of the law firm's automotive practice, joins me on the show to share his point of view on the ongoing inventory shortage of new vehicles and the impact that is having on dealers. His firm is the largest law practice in the United States when measured by the number of attorneys in the practice serving automotive dealers. And he says based on that experience, he sees dealers working very hard to leverage technology to create digital experiences customers expect. And while delivering those digital experiences is important, it's the more long-term implications that Jacoby feels are very interesting. For example, he sees a scenario where lower inventory levels become the new normal, and consumers in the United States order and wait for vehicles like they do in Europe, rather than driving away with a vehicle already on the lot. The implications for dealers in areas like facilities improvement are interesting. Rather than building a facility to sell cars, he said there could be a future where dealers build facilities designed to create an exceptional vehicle delivery experience, and an exceptional experience for customers in the service bay amenities like private drop-in offices to do some work, fitness facilities, etc. He says some emerging automakers, like Tesla, are leading the way in those experiences, and he sees other dealers increasingly adopting some of the same practices as ways to lure customers in the absence of vehicle inventory. The inventory shortage is also having an impact on vehicle pricing, financing terms, and loan rates in ways Jacoby feels dealers need to understand. What are those implications? How long will supply chain disruptions impact inventory and pricing? And will we see a future where consumers are upside down on auto loans as vehicle prices normalize? We've caught up with LA managing partner for Aaron Fox, Aaron Jacoby, in Southern California. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you?
2: I'm good, and thank you for having me, Steve.
1: Thank you for joining. We have a very interesting conversation today. Lots and lots of buzz surrounding retailing and automotive inventory shortages, supply chain disruptions, et cetera, et cetera. Let's start with what are some of the trends in automotive retailing you're watching as a result of these new vehicle inventory shortages?
2: Well, that's a really interesting question, and it probably uh, encapsulates the entire discussion. So, right now, what we're seeing and uh, what many people are talking about is, from at least a dealer perspective and a market perspective, the tremendous and great and fantastic ability to, you know, not only ma- maintain MSRP, but often even get more. So, margins are are large. Um, and uh, inventories are small, uh, all because of these shortages. But that's not really what the the trend is. That's what people are dealing with right now. And of course, as you know, that makes dealers very happy. Uh, But I think what it's doing is it's causing dealers to realize that they need to reimagine what this market is and what the physicality of this market is. And that's informed not only by these shortages, but by the pandemic itself. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So uh, during the pandemic, I think, as you know, a lot of dealers uh, learned that they needed to take more complete advantage of the technology that they had been using and developing and getting used to over prior years. And they began using that technology to do uh, more online Uh, work with regard to sales, um, home deliveries, figuring out ways to do things when it was not possible to do them in the dealership. And what that's led to is an ability to do things either online or uh, in real um, or in a hybrid sense. They can do some of a transaction online and do the delivery in person and then the shortages have meant that, uh, you know, margins are high, so they have money to think about how to redesign this present and going into the future. And I think what'll, what that brings a lot of people to think about are their facilities. So we're at a time when manufacturers are still demanding the same Taj Mahal type of facilities and rebranding and rebuilding every, you know, 5 or so years. And dealers are bucking that trend and rethinking what do they really need? Some manufacturers are joining in that thought process, but the idea is maybe we don't need to have such giant inventories on the ground at all times. And maybe it is helpful, actually, to have a smaller facility that is uh, looking to satisfy the, the more current um, market trends of how people shop. And I think that that's, that's going to be a big change in the industry.
1: It's such an interesting point piece that you bring up. You are now the third person I've had on the show that says, hey, even when inventories come back they're not going to be at the inventory levels that they once were for whatever reason. Um, and and so I've had a dealer CEO share that. I've had a, an analyst with one of the big forecasting firms share that. Now you've shared that as well. And a lot of conversation of folks saying, Hey, in the future, in America, buying a car might look like they do in Europe where, you order it, you wait for it, you get the car with all the features you want, but it is not that very fast uh, feeling of ownership, right? You got to wait, and and but you know, so it's it's not only consumer, consumers changing, consumer mentality changing, but also what that does in terms of the facilities that need to be maintained.
2: That's exactly right, and I think the the current shortages that we're experiencing. Are not, you know, as the pandemic lifts and as more people are back to work and more people are, you know, doing things in person, that is not going to alleviate the shortage. And even once all the ships are coming in more uh, steadily, that still won't alleviate the shortage because the chip, the semiconductor chip shortage is expected to last quite a while, well into 2022, if not perhaps even beyond. I don't know the answer to that. But it will cause people to get used to this new market, and you may be absolutely right that it goes more towards an order system. Um, and one of the things that's also informing that is, even though they don't have a huge slice of the market, is Tesla. Tesla has been on the order system for its vehicles. And one of the things that um, some manufacturers are doing, for example, Volvo with Polestar, uh, Ford with its announcement of how it will be doing electric vehicles, it's not even clear that they don't want to approach a more Tesla-like model. Now obviously that's antithetical to the current uh, system that we the current franchise system that we have. Um, but as there is some pressure by manufacturers to try and ma- uh, match the stock price <laughs> that Tesla is getting, uh, and as they push to at least consider that option, I think that puts dealers in a place where they're, they may be less and less willing to put up the millions and millions of dollars taken to have these new facilities. And it will be one of the pressures along with the shortages that indicates that facilities might be smaller, maybe a more boutique type of model where you know, the facility itself looks great, feels great. It's great to be there. It's great to look around. But as you said, people are there more to look at one or two vehicles, um, maybe test drive a vehicle, but then order what they want in their color, their options, etc. So I I think there's a lot of forces um, pointing in that direction.
1: So let's talk a little bit more about the limited availability of new cars and impacts on car loans and leasing. Are we seeing higher pricing? Are we seeing different finance rates? Are we seeing any extensions of finance terms? What are you seeing in the work that you do?
2: We are seeing, definitely we're seeing higher prices of vehicles. I mean, there's there's no question there. Um, the interesting thing is that we also see contrary to what happened in the housing market is that the the rates are uh, for car loans and car leases are high and i think customers have to shop around a lot more to get what would be more market type rates um given the low interest rate environment we're still in uh so we have seen that finance rates are up and i suppose uh you know the the lender's the consumer lenders in the industry are, you know, taking advantage of the same shortages that uh, the, the rest of the market is taking advantage of in maintaining interest rates at a higher level than than they might otherwise do. So we are seeing that and we are seeing that consumers have to shop more. Dealers in order to please their customers are having to, to find, uh, you know, ways to offer multiple different lenders uh, for providing the best rates.
1: What are you seeing when it comes to used vehicles, higher pricing, and the impact on recovery rates?
2: Well, when you say recovery, you mean in terms of uh, turning in a car after a lease or buying them into the used car market. What do you mean by recovery?
1: Well, that as well as right. A lot of folks, these recovery rates when there's, there's defaults on these loans. So, so oh yes, those types of recovery rates,
2: you know, I don't think that I think everyone expected that there would be a lot more defaults than there ended up being, uh, during the pandemic. So I don't, I have not personally seen that, uh, uh, the recovery rates have changed that much. Um, but in terms of, uh, cars coming back into the market, I think there are a lot more people buying out their leases, uh, because they're looking at the blue book value versus, you know, the, um, you know, the turn in value, which is zero, obviously. Um, and, uh, keeping their cars. So there's a lot of lease turn-ins that aren't happening. That rate has increased. Uh, and so interestingly, the shortage is is feeding the shortage by increasing the price of the used car market. Uh, but interestingly, I haven't seen the default. Now, I may not uh, know about this. We are not lender lawyers. So mm. Uh, I, I don't follow as closely uh, the default rates, but I have not uh, anecdotally heard that they're that much higher.
1: Prices on both used and new obviously are going up. The used pricing is just crazy to me. Yeah. You are paying near MSRP in some cases for a used vehicle. Sure, it might be a year old, two years old, low miles, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still a used vehicle. You mentioned mortgages earlier. I'm curious why banks are financing these high values for vehicles. And I'm concerned that... We might be seeing an upside down future where vehicle loans uh, exceed the value of the vehicles, particularly as used vehicle prices start to normalize. So if I'm paying well close to MSRP today and the, and the prices normalize three to four years from now, I'm curious, are you concerned or do you see the sort of up, down, upside down mortgage situation with used vehicles as well?
2: That's a very interesting question and definitely a problem that may occur. But I think that it, that lenders are, are looking at, uh, you know, the, the market two to three years out and they're not seeing that it's going to change significantly. So if the chip shortage stays, and let me back up for a second. The 2019 model that you're talking about, the two-year-old model, uh, 2018 model, some of those models are actually better and more valuable than the 2021 or 2022 models. And the reason for that is that because of the chip shortage, some of the options that uh, people might want, especially in luxury cars, are not being added. And uh, so you might be able to get you know, a Mercedes with all of the fancy seat controls that it has, uh, you might be able to get that, you might be more likely to get that in a 2019 model than a 2021 model. And because there are so, you know, used car prices have become so high, because the shortage is likely to continue for at least another year in new cars, and because there are fewer used cars even in the pipeline, because of people keeping their cars longer, because they are valuable, because of people buying out their leases instead of turning them in, uh, because default rates have not, to my knowledge, increased significantly. Um, uh, I think the anticipation is that the market will be like this for the life of the typical car loan, which is three to five years. Now, I think if you're betting five years out, then I think your concern comes more into play because I'm not sure you can bet that this market will stay the same for five years. But I think on three-year loans and leases that you can bet that the market will be like this and you won't be upside down. But I would share your concern with regard to, you know, four and five years out.
1: We'll be right back with more.
0: Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer, every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit producing activities. It's a win win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service link. GoMoto is the self service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, And maximizing service efficiency today, visit gomoto.com. That's g-o-m-o-t-o dot com.
1: Let's stick with your point of view on vehicles built in 2020 and 2021. Given perhaps less features because of the chip shortage, given some of these vehicles are sitting in parking lots waiting for the chips to come in and then being assembled given starts and stops in production, which we've always seen breeds quality issues in any manufacturing process. Sure. Do you see a, A future point where the value of a vehicle built during these disruptions and shortages would be less than the vehicles built before or even after the shortages from a quality point of view. Let's put features aside, but from a quality manufacturing point of view, is that a concern consumers ought to be thinking about?
2: It's a very good point. I don't know that the actual uh, production quality went down. I, I haven't seen that. I have seen that cars are less optimized, less, less optionalized, if, if that's a word, uh, because of the chip shortage. And I think with some vehicles, uh, that does mean uh, lesser comfort. Uh, maybe not less quality in terms of getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, certainly with luxury cars, consumers buy those for some of the comfort options that they have. And so if you're not getting the special seats that you wanted, if you're not getting the uh, ultra high-tech you know, convertible roof uh, option, uh, if you're not getting some of the benefits that A greater number of chips would offer that may mean in some in a consumer's eyes that it's less quality and people may look to you know years before and years after for the models to have and it could be that the 20 and 2021 models when they come back into the used car market have a similar discount um based on those concerns that that people might have. I think that's projecting into the future a little bit. And right mm-hmm. now, I know that regardless that the options are fewer because of the chip shortage, the new cars are still selling. The ones that are, that are there, when you look at car lots at new car dealerships, they, they look um, very empty compared to normal. Uh, and um, uh, you know, so those cars are clearly selling. So it may be more when they're considered as used cars three to five years from now that people will think, oh, the 2020 and 2021 models those don't have the, the X Y Z contraption, and therefore you might want a 2019 or a 2023. Mm-hmm. You know, I, so I think you you raise a really valid point and concern, but I don't think that the quality, you know, I don't think it's about transmissions or brakes or the safety features on, on vehicles, I think that those are are probably going to have maintained their quality.
1: So interesting when you say lots already on the vehicle and new inventory on, on lots. Um, I bought a Used car recently for my son and had to go into the the shop for a couple of weeks back to back. Um, you know, one week was to diagnose the problem, order the part, come in the next place and actually do the work. And even do those two weeks, I started seeing more cars. And I'm speaking with the sales rep. Good to see cars coming in, et cetera. Lots more full this week than it was last week. Even more full that when I, when I bought the vehicle. And the individual says, don't get me wrong. They're all sold before they get here, which, which, you know, and which is interesting to me because in this market, can dealers and lenders set whatever rate they want? I mean, can they mark these vehicles up as much as they want? Can they, can they stipulate the rates as, as much as they desire? This seems to me to be a very much a seller's market versus a buyer's market. Would you agree?
2: It's absolutely a seller's market. I don't, think in my practice as a lawyer, I don't think I was watching markets before I was a lawyer, but I've, I've been doing this quite a long time. I've never seen a seller's market like this. As you know, uh, being a car guy, there have always been certain vehicles that command a higher price uh, because it's a hot vehicle for whatever reason. But I have never seen a market where all vehicles are are at least maintaining MSRP and often over MSRP, and where people are just happily ordering. But I think we're in a, in a situation where not only do we have these shortages, but we had, you know, if we remember back to the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was holding on to their dollars. Uh, pay was being cut at, at em- employment institutions. Uh, it was unclear which way the economy would go. It was unclear what, what would happen with government intervention, et cetera. And so there, there was a lot of pent up demand developing because everyone was just holding on to their shekels. And now, uh, you know, that pent up demand is, is released and everyone who needed or badly wanted a new car, used car, they're in the market. And it's also um, these are the things I think a lot of people ended up by not spending for a period of time, increasing their savings and their disposable uh, um, their disposable savings. Let alone, you know, maybe not their disposable income. Uh, and so things like cars and major uh, purchases are just you know experiencing a huge overload of of demand and especially in light of the shortages so the release of that pent-up demand the money that people saved during that time that they were hoarding and saving uh is now in the market and you know there there is no question that it is a seller's market
1: so how are captives and other traditional lenders how are they responding to this market are we seeing smaller deals less frequent deals um and quite frankly, when you think about if you're a captive finance lender or a, a, a bank that is also doing auto loans, which one of those two is probably being impacted more by the current dynamics and in vehicle inventories?
2: Well, I suppose both are able to maintain their rates. Captives would have an incentive to keep their rates, you know, at or near whatever the market is, because they're objective as much as making profit is to help move vehicles of their brand. And so I think captives are probably more impacted because fewer deals mean less profit for them unless they're going to increase rates. The fewer deals for the uh, uh, bank lenders, the non-captive lenders, uh, but with higher rates may mean that they're maintaining their profits. And so I think the impact, I haven't studied this, so I don't know the statistics exactly, but it it seems to me the impact would be greater on the captives in terms of profit for these years. So
1: why don't we close with your near-term outlook? All of these dynamics we've already said, and, and I think comfortably believe New car inventories aren't going to return anytime soon. What can we expect when it comes to financing and leasing deals in 2022?
2: I think that financing and leasing will normalize approaching 2023. I don't think they're going to change much between now through 20 through most of 2022 because I think the shortages remain. I think dealer inventories remain low. Uh, And I think this whole order system that you've been uh, mentioning will continue through much of 2022, if not all of it. I think what we will see coming out of this is that uh, similar to what happened with office workers, where all of us and lawyers are, are among them, have realized that you can be productive at home, in a hotel, on the road, in your office, and they're all they all have their benefits and detriments uh for, for different reasons. And we're going to come out of this phase of, of life with a new way of doing business, a new way of being in the office, new uses for technology. And I think the same is happening in the car industry. And and we are really going to see a reimagining of the industry, not just in the finance lending space that you're talking about, but in the whole of the industry. The way that cars are distributed and delivered, I think, has been reimagined. And we're still going to catch up with that uh, over the next few years. And uh, one of the main changes that will come out of that is – um, how to invest, what to invest, and, and how much to invest in your facilities as a dealer. And I suppose that lending will follow suit. How do you lend into a market that is um, uh, changing? And and so getting back to the original question about trends for the future um, and and focusing on lending as you did in this question, I think what will happen is more choices will be provided, and it may be more up to the customer. If you look at the way online sales work uh, with dealers, uh, and if you imagine that it will become even more of an online system in terms of arranging your financing, I think what will likely happen is that there will be multiple tabs offered for different lenders, different types of loans, different types of leases, all at the fingertips of the consumer, or if you're in the dealership, at the fingertips of the finance manager who's helping the consumer. And that is where competition will be uh, reintroduced in full force, is that uh, lenders will have to get as close to market and maybe even below market to have their loans be the one that stands out when a customer is picking their vehicle.
1: Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. I appreciate you sharing your perspectives on a lot of stuff that's happening in automotive retailing. Appreciate you spending a few minutes with us.
2: I really enjoyed being here and thank you. Very interesting conversation.
1: That's Daily Drive for Friday, November 19th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening. Have an amazing weekend. We'll be back Monday with the final three shows of Daily Drive for 2021.